Welcome to the Pizza Pod, a YHH original series where I sit down and enjoy some pizza, talk hockey, and my first guest is Matt Jasper, the author and photographer of the new book called Home Ice. We talk today about our books, and we just get well, we just got completed. Uh, we sit down, we talk about the state's best rinks around the region, and we talk about a, ho- a lot of different hockey-related topics. Hope you enjoy our first take on this. Thanks to our sponsor, Lots of Matzah Pizza, brought to you by Brew Pub. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Well, I did it. Pulled it off. Got the uh, intro done with a few mumbles and jumbles, but uh, we'll have a few of those as we get through this. Matt uh, Jasper, Tony Scott here on the Pizza Pod. Matt, thanks for joining me. Thanks, thanks for having me, Tony. I have you, you, have you ever been you, on a podcast before? This is my first podcast experience. Thank How, you. How's it going so far? I, I thought you absolutely crushed it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're off. We're off and running. We got a. We got a. We got a little whiteboard here of topics to discuss. If we can get through a, a third of them by the time we get done with an hour here, uh, we'll be a miracle. Hey, let's 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 get after it. We had uh, chicken Alfredo, lots of matzo pizza. How did you like? It? You had a, a piece or two, didn't you? Yeah, it's a uh, it's great. I love how like the the frozen pizza industry keeps evolving, and now we're doing uh, chicken Alfredo, and it's, it's really good. It was good. Yeah. It, it was kind of like a almost like a garlic cheese bread. Mm-hmm. That's what it tasted like to me. It's like a yeah. garlic cheese bread. Throw in a couple pieces of chicken to add to it, but that's kind of what my takeaway with it. I had this a couple weeks ago when we did our live pod Super Saturday over at Bloomington Ice Garden. We were just growing through pizzas, and I haven't gotten, I haven't given back the pizza oven to the lots of matzo people yet. So I'm like, oh, let's do a little. When we were going to do this podcast, I'm like, let's make something out of this for our sponsor. So thanks to our sponsor, Lots of Matzo Pizza. And uh, we're going to knock out a lot of things here today. Um, let's go th- first question. Let's talk about your book, Home Ice. Uh, we're going to talk about our books kind of collaborating back and forth. Um, t- why did you do the book? What, what, what made you think, I want to do a book? And then why did it take 16 years to complete? <laughs> <laughs> Mine took 10 weeks. Yours took 16 years. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a little slow on the uptake. Um, yeah, I... So I, I, the idea of a book, like I do video work. I, I know As, that's your profession. My right? professional is video work, and so like I, I use a camera. I use DSLRs all the time and whatnot. But um, for those non-camera people, that's the camera that I use actually to shoot still shots. But you can also use them for video. Right, and there was a there was a big DSLR revolution a few years ago, and like it's it's a pretty all these cameras are great because you can do everything on them, right? Yes. And so, yeah, the just, same camera I shoot. A game-winning goal in the state tournament is the same camera we used to do 10 minutes with Tony Scott. Right, and it's... Um, it's, it's fantastic. They're great for running and gunning, and just like if you... Especially if you're doing, like, digital content for the web, it's perfect. Yes. Um, so that's what I usually use, and um, I kind of, like, taught myself photography along the way, like, way back in the day. I had this idea of, like, it'd be cool to actually go around and photograph all the old rinks. Um, not video. Not about, video. Right? No, yeah. Still shots. And I, I thought I thought the idea of like just kind of like I didn't know what the end goal was going to be. Um, I just thought it would be cool to photograph them and whether it was like a digital production or like a, like a digital ebook. But then it kind of, you know, the more and more that I was shooting these rinks, I was like, it'd be kind of cool just to like be able to sit on your couch and flip through a high-end coffee table book 
um, and just like kind of go through like the spectrum of ranks throughout the state. Um, and I, I really didn't know what it was like. I didn't know when I started this 15 years ago, what I was actually doing. I just wanted to make, I just wanted to capture. Why did it take 15 years? (laughs) Uh, well, one, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so did you shoot a different camera before? Obviously. Yeah, I, I shot with one of the original DSLRs, the the Canon 1D back in the day. <laughs> We're on the seven. I'm a 7D is, you know, two feet away from me right now. Yeah, and, and I mean, even like just the sensor on that old camera is just it's tiny compared to what's out now. But it's yeah. like you know everything just gets better and gets cheaper as we go along. But we 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 started. I started this project with another buddy who was actually a photographer. I had no photography skill set at that time. So you were you more like a producer instead was, of the art director? I was the producer. I had the idea. I would come up where where we wanted to go. Did you sh- have the idea how to shoot it though, or did he have the idea how to shoot? I it? I had the idea of how we wanted to shoot it. But we, when we first started, we'd only shoot like ten photographs per rank. Yes, and, and then when I took over, and that's not possible based on this book I've been through. This I call it the rat hole. I go, it's yeah, just, it goes yeah, down yeah. a big rabbit hole every time. And you have so many little shots of the signage and the detail, the fine detail you went through. It could not have been through ten pictures after a while. No, and it can kind of like you you go and do your first run of uh, of arenas. What was the first one you shot? The first one we shot, I think, was uh, Baudet. And that's we went up to Baudet, and that's not even in the book, is it? Not even in the book because <laughs> when we shot it, I, is that proof that I know your book? Yes, it is proof that you do. Because um, when we shot that it, that makes me a nerd. I, I knew that wasn't in there. No, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. Yeah, um, but there was people on the ice, right? And then the nets were like one net was at the end, and one net was in the center ice, and so we really didn't know what we were doing. We didn't even get on the ice. We were just kind of like it was more of a, a pre-production uh, run kind of figuring out what worked, what didn't work. We call that a scout. Yeah. Scout mission, right? It was totally a scout mission. Um, and then, you know, we ended up shooting, I think, like 12 on that trip. And then the farther we got along, the more time we took at each rink. But some of them, we were just jumping in there. Where did you go? Because I just got back from there. I, yeah. I'm literally, I drove through Bidette. Yeah. 10 days ago. Where did you, did it start in Bidette? And did you go down Highway 11? Or did you go... To International Falls. So we, we started in St. Paul, stayed overnight in Grand Rapids at my parents' place. Then we drove up to Baudet. And Which is not a short drive. No. It's, so it's like three hours to Grand Rapids, and it's, you know, I think it's another two and a half to Baudet. And then from Baudet, they were like, you have to stop in Roosevelt. And what, what's, <laughs> what's Roosevelt? There's nothing in Roosevelt. There's nothing in Roosevelt. There's nothing. There's, there's no. more in Williams than there is in Roosevelt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep going. And I know this because it's super fresh in my brain. Yeah, and there, the guy was like, if you blink on the way to Roosevelt, you will miss that town. So do they tell you to stop in Roosevelt, or was it just stupid luck, dumb luck? It was dumb luck that the and guy what that time we, of year was this? This was uh, March. Okay, so there was still ice in the rink. There was still, it was still ice still ice in the rink. And the guy, it was dumb luck that we met the guy at Baudet who actually knew that there was a place in Roosevelt. But you wouldn't have gone to Roosevelt hadn't you talked to the guy in Baudet. No, we would have gone straight to War Road. Okay, yeah. And yep. then and then the funny thing is, like, most people up there don't even know about Roosevelt. Yeah. And so, well, it's funny though. Remember, you and I met uh, Boucher, Henry Boucher's grandson, Gabby, yeah. at the tournament. He goes, I just skated, and he called it Roosevelt. Roosevelt, yeah. <laughs> 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 have I been pronouncing this wrong? We have. I've yeah. discovered later yeah. in, the, in the weekend, the, the state tournament, that it is pronounced Roosevelt, yeah. and Gabby was just misled or something. Putting a little flair on it. Yeah, yeah he yeah. put a little flair on it. Yeah. yeah. Nice kid, though, wasn't he? Oh, he was great. Yeah. Oh, that, my God. It was like was just, just fantastic. awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we go up there and you, you walk into 
Roosevelt, and it's got the chicken wire all the way around. It's oh, got square man. corners. So many good memories of chicken wire. Yeah. And it's like, it's definitely a throwback. And it's like, definitely like, okay, I. It's like a pole barn, kind of? Yeah, like a pole barn. And like, you go, you find something like that, and you think you're only going to find like 25 rinks throughout the state, right? And you find a rink like that, and you're like, oh, wow, this project might be even a little bit bigger than I initially thought about because I had no idea this place existed. And how many other rinks out there do I not know that and, exist? And did you come across Grigala the same way? Mm-hmm. Or did you know about it before you left Grand Rapids? No. So we go, we go, Baudet, Roosevelt, Warroad, Roseau. And when we're in Roseau, the guy's That's like, where he said. You got to go south to Grigala. And where is Grigala? Because I was just, I had this exact trip. Yeah. and Because so we went from, we went from, War, after Warroad and we're driving over to, to Moorhead, I stopped the car and looked at Peter, the guy on my trip. I said, Peter. Have you ever been to the Memorial Building? He goes, no. So we just took a quick right and a quick left, and then we right. were there. And it was an f- unbelievable moment in my life when I pull into Roseau, Minnesota, stop the car, and I'm out of the car for 10 seconds, and a Bantam B kid from Roseau screams, Tony Scott! It was like you couldn't have scripted it any better. My yeah. head, yeah, 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 like, yeah. mushroomed, like, yeah. three times the size. Well, that's... It was neat. I'm here in Rose. I'm six hours from my house, and this yeah. kid knew who I was, and, and he just made that stop that much better because then I got to show Peter everything around Rozo, yeah. and then we went from there to, to Moorhead, and we drove the long way through Thief River and all that stuff. So yeah. at some point, it's somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Tell me where Grigal is. Well, Grigal is like probably like 40 minutes south of Rozo. That's it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's just like it's like a little dot, and it's, it's, there's not a whole is lot. Is that a town? It's a little town. It's a little bit bigger than it's actually quite a bit bigger than Roosevelt, but it's like you know it's it's right behind the school and there's you know there's actually like a main street there. And okay. There's there's a little bit more going more on. to it than yeah. Williams and Roosevelt. But at the same time, it's like it's a you know like it's kind of like if you're the last one there, turn off the lights. It's, yeah. And it's um, I think it's natural ice. And all oh that yeah, stuff. It's, yeah. It's, it's no it, no condensers no, or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. But they a have compressors. A, sorry. And it's it's a rink named after a buddy of theirs that pri- that passed away, and it's like it's like the community takes a lot of pride in that rink, right? Speak so, of that, we're off we're off the rails already, and I knew we would get off the rails. But go back to Grand Rapids, where you me made your first stop, and there's a taconite rink there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it the Lawson the Lawson rink? The beefy Lawson. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And your dad somehow is connected to the Lawson family, right? You just just grew up with them, or yeah, he's a, he's a Greenway guy. Yeah, you know, just like there's you know six degrees of separation between everybody on the pretty much on the Iron Range. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah and so he's a Greenway guy, and so it's tacon- fitting that your whole trip started. Yeah, where it all started, right? For sure, and that's kind of like you didn't was, shoot IRA first, though, did you? We we did take some photos, but there was practice going on, and okay. so like the photos. So the guy that I was originally working with, he he kind of wanted to capture the people in the rinks, and my idea was I wanted to capture these rinks all by themselves. Yeah, that's and I wanted them pristine, and so that and that's actually a little bit harder than you think. To go into, <laughs> I'm aware. To yes. go into these rinks and find them, like with the ice clean, with the lights on, we can get the and nets no one up, around and nobody around and. I actually had to Photoshop a few people out of the rinks um, just because like, they're either sitting in the stands or one guy in Richfield was cleaning the glass on the ice. So I had to, sh- <laughs> I had to shoot around him and Photoshop him out on a few things. Yeah, but, yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah, and so you kind of get that window between like 8 a.m. 
in 2.30 p.m. is like when there's nothing really going on, if right. you're lucky. And you have to shoot when the sh- when the ice is in. It isn't an ice rink unless right. the ice is in, right? So you can't right. shoot in the summer. You can't shoot in the, Like very rarely can you shoot in the summer. And sometimes they don't even have the their best paint. time of year is February 15th to, to April 1st, wasn't yeah. it? That was my sweet spot. That's where because I used every, all. all the youth teams are, 90% of the youth teams are done, done, right? right? Except the ones that are in the state or regions. Exactly. And I used all my PTO. To go on so this trip. a real job when this Yeah, I had on. a real job. And so my friends are going to Cancun. I'm going up to World and Roseau and getting frostbite, and they're getting suntan. And so, yeah. So talk about the 15 years. There had to have been at least a, a five-year gap or a 10-year gap where you shot nothing, right? Did it Did it project, did it hang on the vine for a long time? It really did, yeah. So How like, many, What years was that? Because so you go back 15 years. It had to start in around 2005. But then when did it go on hold? From when to when? So when went on, so we we finished that trip, right? And so mm-hmm. we ended up shooting, I think, like twelve rinks. We, you know, after Grigola, we went. So it's just sitting in the can at twelve trips. Yeah. In, is this where you did you? Is this the trip where you shot Columbia Arena? Uh, no, no. So we kind of came back to the cities and we kind of broke down what are some of the other ones in the Twin Cities. Like, um, we we captured the Coliseum and the fairgrounds yep. before they stopped using it in the Columbia and Fridley, because that was a big one that I always played Bantam tournaments in. Yep between the regional and Bantam A state tournaments. And so we we got those before they tore them down, kind of like we shot Did the, you know they were getting torn down? No. You just got lucky, right? Just dumb luck. Yeah, yeah. And then so we went and shot um, Cottage Grove and South St. Paul at the same time before they did the remodels, and that's what's in the book. And I shot really? them after the remodels, but I just liked the dome lights better and kind of before they started putting the, all the fluorescent lights. Really? You like the dome light better, huh? I just thought the shape of the dome lights, the rhythm of them, like showed up better for uh, – Photography, photography wise versus. I think just the opposite. Any rink I walk into and they have the dome lights, I'm like, this is going to be a long night. No, for sure. But just like if you can get the lighting correct. Oh yeah, 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 for but sure. The LED makes everything so much easier because it's it's such a clean, easy light. Um, but like with the dome lights, they all have different temperatures, and so like it, it shows up differently. And so like yeah, depending on where you're shooting in Grand Rapids, it it, it affects the out. Uh, the final photo because the different temperatures of all the different lights, it's crazy. It's something you don't think about until you start getting into post-production. Yeah. Oh, I know all about lighting. Oh, yeah, rinks. For sure. it's that, yeah. that, when I saw your book, I was like, this is an amazing book. These fix, these pictures are brilliant and beautiful. And I started thinking about the book that I was producing at the same time. I'm like, why are mine as beautiful? I'm like, cause my, my, uh, subjects are moving. Mm-hmm. A sure. moving object is way, way harder to kill than something sitting still. But yours, you have you had other challenges too. Like you talked about people in the rink and the lighting, and you, you can get a beautiful picture, and then you get into post production, and you're like, man, this is crap for sure. And I can't go back to Grigola. It's it is what it is, right? Well, I, I actually did go back to multiple places. I went did to you Wy- really? I went to Wyndham three times. I went to <laughs> three, I went to Virginia, Minnesota three times cuz I just did not well, like the outcome of how I shot. Well, it. I thought that's a hard building to shoot. Yeah. That's a re- I can see how dark it is. Yeah. That light blue doesn't the, the whole brink is painted light blue. The Virginia Miner is playing in light blue, so it's got its challenges with, with light and reflection and all those things. I see exactly why you went back. And in one of the end of the buildings, it has all that natural light coming in, so it, like, it overexposes, and then it's dark on the sides. And yeah. But the nice thing about Virginia is all the different—what what do, what do we call—I I don't have a, the right term for it. You have a 
you have a, basically your jacket of the book has all these, I call them artifacts, you know, mm-hmm. you have the stop, like your shirt, what, watch for flying pucks, but they have, that rink's got about 40 different artifacts of yeah. things to shoot with the Jack Carlson pictures, and you know what I mean, that with all the different things on there, in their, in their hallways, and I think if I were shooting that rink, one of the things I'd want to shoot to just to really get a, and I, I haven't really looked through your Virginia, but that hallway that you walk into, where it's just light blue, and it's, I hate to say it, it's just kind of gross, right? It's yeah. just so, it, it feels like I walk in there, I'm like, I feel like I walk back 60 years. Like, like they haven't mopped the building in 60 years. You know what I mean? It's not in a, in a bad way, it's just, it's just so old that you can't, you know, they try to clean it with bleach. It's just so old that it can't. It's just got it so old, you know what I mean? For sure, and it's like, it's like one of those things where like that's where the character of 60 years comes into play. Where like you go into the bathrooms and it's like that place is over a hundred, close to a hundred, though, isn't it? It's really old, you know. Um, and it's the same thing when I went into the War Road Memorial Building when I was in sixth grade for Pee Wee's. I felt like you were walking into a shin pad. Yeah, it just there was just a distinct smell to it. Yes. Yeah, and it's like in everybody's was like, oh, this is such a great rink, and I was like, I don't know, it smells. It and, does. But it's like you go back and like those are the things you miss when you get removed from hockey for a long time. And so like I went off to school to Oregon. And I ended up uh, coming. In the 90s, in right? In the 90s, yeah. Yep. And then so I ended up coming back to Minnesota in 2004 when I started working on this project. And the first things you remember when you start going to these rinks, it's like, uh, it's um, it's almost like euph- euphoric recall where you the sounds and the smells and all that stuff started coming back as soon as you walk into the arena. And it's stuff that you've forgotten over the, the you know, the you know eight years that you're away, you know? So what? So let's go through the, the, the gaps now uh, on making this book, because I want to get to more talking <laughs> about the book itself. But the gaps of uh, in between here, what was it? Was it the prof- a professional career? Was it travel? What was it that slowed down from your first couple shots to now 2019, fall 2019, when it actually gets printed? So kind of just creative differences between me and the person I started the oh, book with. Yeah. So the book is in a, and I know it's in a camera. I know I know the chip is in a camera somewhere, right? And I know there's a story there. We don't want to get too in depth on that story. Yeah. Which is you could do an entire pod on that part of the story. Yeah. But the way I understand it is the, the it, it so the creative differences is and I've been in your shoes on creative differences, trust me. So did it just sit in the can because of the creative differences and it couldn't get produced and you finally decided I'm gonna finish this thing? Well, for sh- that's, that was a big part of it because you know, like, there's, it's a book about hockey arenas, right? It's it's a it's a it's definitely a. I worked on the project with a guy who wasn't from Minnesota and didn't have the Minnesota background, so and he, he had no ties to hockey. He either. had no ties to hockey, so he was like, "This is a stupid idea. I don't want to keep. I don't <laughs> want to keep going to all these different hockey rinks throughout the state of Minnesota because this means absolutely nothing to me." Yeah, right? he had no part. He had, he had no, no heart. Part. In it. And I totally get that, right? Yeah, but like, if you're It'd be like. Me and you shooting vegetables, like it would yeah. it would get it would wear on us after a while. Yeah, it, like it, yeah, I I've shot a ton of cooking videos. I still don't know how to cook. Um, <laughs> it means nothing to me. I, it's right. Yeah, um, and so he his whole thing was like he wanted to photograph like the people in these rinks that made these rinks come alive. And for mm-hmm. me, it was like these are community central locations, and where the whole community comes together, and I've had, like, 20-some years of this experience. So that was a big difference between both of us. And then along the way, the the camera had all the the, – the the disc in the card had all the photos on it because we didn't download it yet. The camera got stolen and sold for crack, and so we had to go <laughs> – Like, yeah. literally, like – 
And how long did it sit in the crack dealer's house? I didn't know about it. I didn't, right. I, 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 I'm not really sure about the, the timeline on like how long I was in there. All I know is a buddy came up to me and was like, hey, yeah, I went in there and, and saved the camera because the camera was fronted for crack cocaine. And so I was able to give the dealer some money and save the camera. And that's where all the, like we saved a ton of the photos right. from that first trip. Um, yeah, because at that point, I thought the, the project was dead because the guy that didn't want to go shoot any more rinks. And then I found out not only was, you know, not only did I think the project was dead, I, I found out that the camera or all the photos were almost completely lost. Right. Which to me would have been horrible because like a lot of these rinks are no longer standing that right. were captured. And so it was like, it was a saving grace that my buddy at St. Paul Sober Living pulled the, the camera out. How did, how long ago was that? That was like 2005. Oh, okay. So Dude. where did, why, what happened in 14 years? So after that, um, it was like, we, we tried to start and stop, start and stop. And it, that went on for like three years. And we, we did one big trip up to the Duluth area and shot some of those, but it just, we couldn't get the momentum going. Did you get there before the, was it, what was the rink that blew up? Peterson? Um, we didn't get Peterson. The Peterson one, one that blew up. Yeah. The, Z- the Zamboni blew up and. <laughs> Right? And yeah. started fire and yeah, it went yeah. down, right? Well, yeah. It, but you probably shot Freiburger because yeah. everyone shoots Freiburger, Yeah, right? we, we shot, you know, the old Cloquet. Uh, we shot, you know. The Barn. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the Barn, the Heritage. We shot uh, Amsoil. We couldn't get into the deck because they had taken their ice out already. Right. And then we, you know, discovered. It's rarely in. Yeah, The rarely. deck's like two months and it's done. Like maybe December 1st to February 1st. It's, it's a really over. short window because they, they make so much money after dry land stuff, like the yep. home and boat show. But then we discovered two harbors in Silver Bay. And like, like I didn't like know. Like you'd never been there to I, I never arena? played up to those arenas growing no up. No way. Yeah. And so you go and like, you go into two harbors first. You shoot two harbors and then you drive it to Silver Bay. And it's like, it's the same exact arena, just a different color scheme. Yep. And one has like more trophies in the, the, the entryway, right? Silver Bay. Yeah. And it's just, it's just crazy because like that's a real Korean theme where you go to all these different arenas. And you're like, I've been here before, but I haven't. And that's what happened to me when I went into Alexandria because of Cottage Grove and um, New Hope are all the same exact arenas. It's Cottage Grove. Did you say did you say Alexandria? Yeah, in New Hope. Yeah, and I think and I think that Detroit Lakes is in that same footprint. There's there's something to it, yeah. In, in Detroit Lakes, Detroit Lakes in the old Bemidji uh, Fieldhouse where the college used to play. Mm-hmm. I went to hockey school there. Yeah, and they was had, it Detroit Lakes and Bemidji Fieldhouse? They're all they're all really similar, right? Where they have yeah. that steep seating on one side. Well, to me, I think the signature of of Alexandria, and I think that. I think Detroit Lakes has it too, and Cadrova is that little diagonal cutout. Yeah, and New Hope the same thing. It yeah. has a little cutout in it as well. For sure, for sure. Yeah, at, at the back of the rink or on the sidelines of the rink, right at the goal lines, there's that little diagonal. Yeah, which is di- it's super cool. It, it kinda, is. It kind of brings in. It kind of wraps everything around into a, and it kind of brings everybody into the rink. Yeah, it's as opposed smart, to the yeah. straight flat. Yeah, you know, angular. It's a smart design. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the. The building of a book, how many pages, you know, all those things that go into it. Number of book, number number of pages, number of uh, hardcover. You know, talk about the investment of when you self-publish a book. I just did the same thing, so I, I want to see if we are on the same page when it comes to this. No pun intended. <laughs> well, yeah, I I know I knew nothing about publishing a book, right? Neither did I, went, I. I went and talked to a few people, and it was going to be more expensive to work with a publishing company than it was to actually print the book. And I was like, oh, that's kind of crazy. 
Can I yeah. not? Can I not figure this out on I my own? I still have publishers calling me almost on a weekly basis. Are you ready to do your book? I'm like, the book is done. I'm. <laughs> I've. I've moved on. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. over. You know. Well, and and then well, actually, like even before that, the reason, like I, the reason why I picked the book back up because it sat for about ten right. years. I was actually, <laughs> it's it's funny to me because just like I told you about how I shot food videos for a long time, and I don't know how to cook, and then I was like, I was shooting weddings, and uh, while I was going, yeah, through, like, I was I going through this. a divorce, yeah. and I'm like sitting here like shooting the weddings, and I'm arguing with the vows in my head, just being just wait until <laughs> you leave the toilet seat up, and it's all this other stuff, and I was like, I'm shooting weddings while going through a divorce what should I be doing instead of this? And that's where the idea. How, of, how crazy is that? Yeah. And so it was like, it was on the, it was, a, it was on the anniversary, our anniversary where I was like shooting a wedding. And I was like, what should I be doing instead? It's like, I need to pick this book back up and go finish it. And so I finished it over the next two years. And in so that from pro- what years to what years? Like 15 to 17? Yeah. Uh, so like uh, from like 17 to 19 to 19. Yeah. So it was like, I was like, I was shooting the book and in that process, I was reaching out to publishing companies and figuring out how do you go how, about this? How much of a battle was that? It's, it's such the communicate. It's like, it's not a money making industry anymore. No. And so like, obviously, right? Right. Yeah. And so you find out how expensive it is, and it's like, okay, if you want to print 500 books, you're it's like $26 a book, right? If you want to put into 1,000 books, it gets down to like $14 a book. Yep. And you start walking the ladder, and it's like, okay, in order for me to make a nice margin on my book, I probably have to print like 10,000 books. Yeah. And, like, okay, and then when you think about it, it's like it's four pounds a book. Where are you going to put 40,000 pounds of books? And so that kind of like limits you on how many you can order and it's the things that you don't even think of when you want to put a book together it's like right. the logistics. When, when, when you're when your heart is beating yeah and you're staring at a rink or i'm staring at a hockey jersey and you're like it's going to be this and then when you start factoring in the realities of how many books are going to be sitting in your office or your or your basement or right. wherever it's it becomes that's becomes a harsh reality when it's all said and done. Oh, for sure, and it's the stuff that like when you when you have like the inspiration to go do this, you're, it's not even crossing your mind. It's it can be a semi truck showing up to your parents' house, dropping off like five pallets of books over like nine thousand pounds. It's well, like what was the story about Bo? Was it Bovi the Bovi Post Office? That is that what it was? Yeah, we saw one of those. I knew it was one of those Greenway towns. Yeah, and so. We were trying to like, and that's the other thing. It's like, how do you ship all this stuff out? Because I ran a Kickstarter. I raised all my money to um, to do the first run of books. How much There's, money did you raise? Is this $10,000? About $18,000. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's $10,000, $20,000. Yeah. yeah, and that still didn't cover the whole cost of the first printing, right? Right. And so you ra- you raise that money. It goes towards the printing, and then you get all and these And then all books. those people get a free book or something, they, right? they, Yeah, they get a book, and it, it yep. kind of depends on what level. Level, they, yeah. yeah. And so when it comes to like shipping stuff out, the books were supposed to come in October. They had a snowstorm up at the publishing or the printers. Which was like in Winnipeg, just up, right? Yeah. Up in Winnipeg, and Winnipeg. Knocks the printers offline. So that puts them like a month behind. So I get the books on December 14th and then I had done pre-sales. So we're trying to pack all these books up in my parents' house in their basement. And we're trying to ship out 18 or uh, 800 books on by December 14th so people can get them for Christmas. This was just Christmas of 19, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're talking to all these uh, UPS or, like, all these other, like, uh, postal service places. And, like, we can't handle that load. And, like, the one place that could was Bovee. Uh, B-O-V-E-E, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, B-O-V-E-Y. E-Y, B-O-V-E-Y, yeah. yeah. It's this tiny little town. It's oh, part I've of the been green, there. Yeah, it's part of the Greenway system. 
and they for they're the ones like we will take that because we want to prove to the postal service that, that we are we're viable. Yeah, we're viable, and to keep us open, and they've been amazing. So, so that's where they all go out of. They all go out of Bovee. So we got to drive like twenty minutes to go drop the books off and get them sent out to people. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna ask you a question because I got to step off for a second and grab one of my books because yeah. it's the next topic. So, go into the factor of how many pages your books your book is, right? And how did you get to the number of books? And then why did you end up publishing there? And where 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 was the cutoff line uh, of where was the cutoff line of how many pages you were gonna do? So the book the book is 296 pages. Um, each rink gets four four pages per per rink. Uh, with the exception of Wyndham, which has six pages, and it's the last rank in the book. Um, and the the big factor is just eventually, like, you, you can you, you think you, you're only going to be like, hey, publisher, I want to do, like, 300 pages. And they're like, nope, it only comes in, you have to do in bulk. Six of 16, right? 16 pages, or depending on it, it's was. like 12 pages, right? Right. And so I actually wanted to do more ranks, but if you start doing more pages, it's really hard on the bindings. And so you actually have to like figure out, okay, I can only do 296. If I go over that, it'll be really hard on the bindings and the book will start breaking down. And so that's why I went with the publishing company. I did because they hand stitched the bindings. This is all really in, you know, inside baseball. Right. That's like, that's kind of like the logic behind it. Um, It's yeah. And so like there's, I shot like 20 more rinks that didn't make, book because i just ran out of space any uh any of those that you left out that you wish you would been able to squeeze in it's like oh i really wish i would have squeezed windham in or i wish i would have squeezed this one in what was the one you really wish you could have squeezed in well there's hallock uh, yep. people really mad about that i didn't do hallock <laughs> well that's the other thing it's like when people don't see their rank in the book oh it's immediate turn off like lily shut it down right yeah it's like how did you not put in such and such <laughs> rank and it's like <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I understand because I'd feel the same way, but at the same time, it's like your rink's not that cool. Um, and then, how do you say that to somebody sitting at a table ten feet from them and they got forty bucks in their pocket, right? Yeah, like you each, know, they'd buy the book if you had their rink in there. Yeah. And so, so Halleck, um, Alexandria, but I felt like Alexandria was the same as the other rinks. It's a lot like Cottage Grove and, and New Hope. Yeah. And then. Elk River was the one that I really wanted to get into the book. The barn? The, the old barn. Yeah. And I, I had called up there multiple times, and it just didn't work out. It was just, it's re- it, you know, it's not one of those all-seasons rinks either. I think they take the ice out. Yeah, and it was being used a lot, and when I would go up there, there was people on the ice. And it's a beautiful I, barn. It was a really cool barn. I know you saying that does not help the regret. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. But uh, I actually drove up And it's up in there. the city, too. So, you know, like usually a lot of the beauty, except for Blake and Lakota and some of those, yeah. the beauty is usually outside the state. And so yeah, I got up there and finally, and there was a there was a hole in the ground, and they had tore down the barn. And so, who like, Elker? Yeah. Oh so, yeah. 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 Sorry to bring up bad <laughs> memories. Um, I don't know. Uh, for me, my perspective, my my regret, um, I didn't really know what I was doing when I built it. You know, what I mean, like you, you're talking about a lot of the same factors of yeah. you know number of pages, and like I knew I had 149 teams to shoot. Yeah. I knew when I built the book that I wanted to have um, uh, every team. And I wanted them to have the same amount of landscape. That was my biggest part of the book. Like, I wanted to make sure that Austin, Minnesota's high school hockey team had the same amount of landscape as Edina High School. Yep. We we go to the I cover the Winter Circle so often, and it's always Minnetonka, and it's yep. always Edina, it's always Hermantown. It's it's so refreshing to just give the same amount of landscape because I think without Wyndham's 
the Wyndham Eagles, we can't have a section right. three playoff, right? right? Yeah, for sure. We can't. If we only have 64 teams, the book would suck. Right. The book is awesome because there's 149 high school teams. Yeah. There were 150 when it started, and then we found out uh, North St. Paul uh, merged with Minnehaha Academy. Was like, yeah, oh, yeah. there goes Brett Hedekin in the book. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that's the thing. It's like you need that spectrum in order to appreciate the greatness, right? Correct. The, the, the great ones, because if you just only put the best ones in there all the time, you don't really get to see the spectrum. And like, you, you need the tail end to help significant to to accentuate the top end, you know? Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. We did highlight some of those. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we put the best 10 seniors in the state on the cover, right? Yeah. We put uh, the best 10 rinks, the best 10 jerseys. We put we made up our own. It was a lot of fun, by the way, coming up with the all-decade teams. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I did a ton of research in, this, in the 50s and the 60s. 40s was rough. Like, people are like, oh, you didn't include this guy. I'm like, sorry, I couldn't get them all. I, you know, I, I just, yeah. I did my best, right? And then we had a nice little forward written in there, and it was fun, but I, not to take this from your book or my book, but this is a good one because I got to use your uh, few of your photos. Thank yeah. you in our book, and I, I picked the top ten arenas. Um, I kind of leaned on a few. I leaned on you a little bit, leaned on a few other people, and I just did alphabetical mm -hmm. instead of the jerseys we ranked one through ten. But so here are the top ten arenas. I wanted to make sure we had one in Southern Minnesota because uh, I thought it was important. If this is going to be a, a book about the state of Minnesota, we had to have one in the 507. 208, 218 was going to be simple. Um, and then the, 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 I wanted to make sure we had two or three in the metro. So you have to take the two bookends, I call them the bookends, Aldrich and Edina, right? Yep. They're, they're the bookends. I mean, this is where all the history happens, right? Yep, yep. Um, I wanted to make sure I had rinks that had, my criteria was rinks that had a lot of rich history in it. Right, yep, so yep. the only one that really doesn't have a ton of rich history in it is is Austin, right, Riverside. It's got a little bit. It's had a, had a junior team there. It's got a little bit of history, but it's, this isn't exactly. There isn't bleeding high school hockey titles in Austin, Minnesota, nope. where the rest of them have plenty of great players who have played there. But I thought it, it really kind of marked everything that stood for Southern Minnesota. So I had those two in there, and I had Aldrich and Braymore. And he, and then I, uh, the other local one that I picked. And it was literally like literally like within the last three minutes of publish hitting the publishing book, I put uh, Woog Wakoda over Bloomington Ice Garden. I felt like having Jefferson in a top two or three, living in Bloomington, and then having Bloomington Ice Garden looked a little too homerish. And I love Bloomington Ice Garden. That's where I grew up. Uh, watching high school hockey on the section quarterfinal Saturday. I went to the MIAC Turkey Trot Tournament there. I've seen many Kennedy and Jefferson games there. I've seen so many great hockey games over the years in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I thought, that's such a rich history and tradition of hockey. And then I realized I never walk into, maybe because it's home, I never walk into Bloomington Nicer and go, oh, that's so awesome. You walk into Woog and you see... Peltier, and you see Woog, and you see Abram, you see start seeing these, some of these names, and you're like, oh, they treat their idols a lot different than Bloomington treats their idols with the with the retired jerseys and the banners. You don't get a lot of that in Bloomington, and, and it's just that's part of the reason I switched it really quick to Woog. So, what do you think of the Metro so far? I, I think it's great, and I just even like what you're saying with South St. Paul, they do such a good job of honoring their history. Yeah, um, they just put up a brand new mural like up on the behind the the seating. Yeah, it's just amazing. Kinda, yeah, they did such a great job with it, and just you know you got the big Phil Housley jersey, and they have all the banners up in the rafters. Right, and it just feels like it's a place that has phenomenal history. I mean, 
you, I mean, you have Doug Woog that's from there. You have the Woog family. You have Housley. You have Ted Brill uh, yeah. up in the front case who did the, you know, the maroon and gold game. It's just like there's so many people that have been integral to the growth of Minnesota hockey that have come from that community, and they embrace it. They embrace it, right. Yeah. And if you could list off the greats from Bloomington, it's probably the same. Oh, yeah. But they don't embrace it at all. And This is being a Bloomington resident. I'm like, there's, there should be murals for Crowley and yeah. all these guys that just kind of imprinted what Bloomington hockey was all about. Not one shred of it, not a piece of paint. I know. And that's, that's disappointing. Cause like, like what you're saying, cause like that run that they had through the 90s, is magical. It's, it was unbelievable. And just like, I remember Mike Crowley being on the cover of like, let's play hockey with his tinted eye tech and his <laughs> Easton stick that was upside down. And I was like, I want to be number five because Mike Crowley is that guy, right? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, and it's you wish that um, the Ice Garden would kind of do a better job of displaying. I think that. I think uh, the Jefferson. I think they've done something with the remodel where they put some stuff with the past players. Oh, that's cool. But it's I don't know if it's quite at the level of what Woog is like, you know. But what it comes down to, like for like a lot of these rinks, is what you learn along the way is how expensive it is to run these things. The ranks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's not a money-making venture in nope. every community. They all lose money. Yeah. And every community is hustling to find creative ways to make up, to try to keep ice time as cheap as possible. Yeah. And that, they, that, that's an untold story for, like, a lot of these places. It's a big part of this book. It's a big part of what we're here. We're, you know, Bloomington, I just know from, because I fund a lot of tournaments and events at Bloomington Ice Garden, and because the more we do there, like the more respect I get, it's crazy. The respect I get from the people at the rink, and we have a great working relationship. That's part of the respect. But the other is we're taking downtime ice that yeah. they're, they're they're not being able to sell right. Yeah. At, you know, in, in June and July and March and just weird times, right? But it's and September is another one we take up. But even the city of Bloomington calls me, right? The city. It's like, hey, uh, what can we do more to get more events? I'm like, I like more I could do here, the better. And it benefits my community. But the point I'm getting to is I, I know that they don't make money. And it's, if, it's, if it's happening in Bloomington, where, the, where we have a th- really nice three-ring facility with great hotels within five minutes away, can you imagine what it's like in, in Plymouth or Grand Rapids or Roseau? I mean, Lily Rose, Billy Lund's got a factory up there for, for churning people through their hotels and, and, and making it a venue. and make, You literally have to go out of your way to, to not make money. They're going out of their way not to make money. Yeah. Not, you know, not breaking even. So... I've been helping Grand Rapids out with kind of yeah, like the a roof. Pro- yeah, right? with a roof project. And the University of Minnesota did a study for the amount of income that comes in to the whole area from just from like the tournaments and whatnot that happen at the IRA Civic yeah, Center. And these are not glamorous terms because they don't have a lot of, they only have two sheets. They only have two sheets. So they're usually like eight to 12 teamers every weekend. They're not, yeah. I, as a tournament host, they're not killing it with these tournaments. No, but the, but just the amount of tourism that comes yes. in, the hotels and the restaurants, it brings in $3.6 million a year to that area, right? I believe it. And it is, it is a lifesaver for the hotels and the restaurants and all that other stuff. And it's all possible because the arena staff hustles all the time to keep keep it going and bringing in tournaments on the, every weekend and it's like people are they do, it's it's a lot to put on tournaments and to do it every weekend and then try to host high school games and do everything else in a, a short window amount of time it's pretty incredible what they pull off at area they do it in a lot of different other communities but that's the one I've been there yeah I've been there I've, I've participated there as a child I've participated there in high school and then 20 plus years later, here I am driving my son up for a Bantam B tournament at, at 
IRA, mm -hmm. and we pull into the hotel, and I didn't even look at the, the directions. You know, I was on a map back then. I looked down, I'm like, we're at the Sawmill Inn. We are staying at the Sawmill Inn. The, literally, you talked about the feelings that come back. You said yeah. after the 20 years when you, you were out of the game for eight years or whatever, and you came back to rink and all the, the memories come flooding in. This was like a avalanche. You know, I was just killed. A little, I went on Facebook, because I, I rarely go on Facebook. I, I took pictures of the sawmill in, and I posted it. I go, hey, all my Southwest friends, can you tell me where I am right now? And it's like, <laughs> they're like, that's the sawmill in. Yeah, like, yeah. there were so many good memories of our high school. Like, literally, our high school would close down the weekend of the Grand Rapids uh, uh, trip. Mm -hmm. and, we, and, and then there'd be girls and friends and we would just be one gigantic party caravan. in Grand Rapids caravan that would go up and watch us play against Grand Rapids and Coleraine every year. And that's one thing you kind of take for granted from being from Grand Rapids is like what it is for like the teams down south to come up and go to be able to play the range teams and it's almost like a rite of passage to be able to go through and play Grand Rapids and Greenway and Hibbing and Roseau and Warroad and to get those experiences and I was talking to a dad who is from the cities who brought his daughter who was like I think a um 12 you yeah and he brought her specifically up to war road so he, she could see the war road rozo game and they the marvins invited them into their house for the oh, dinner for sure because, they yeah. did. and so it was and it was just like this random thing but it's like it's a rite of passage to be able to go up north and see all these places and because the sad thing is a lot of these places are like being torn down and they're not gonna be around forever we were talking about the virginia Myers know, Memorial. The Virginia thing is that's a topic scary topic that 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 brink could go down in this whole conglomeration thing, which yeah. is sad. Yeah, and it's it, and it's just one of those things that they don't have, like, all the banners like everybody else does, but it's, like, one of those places that it's a great place to watch a game. It has obstructed views, which makes it awesome because it's perfectly yes. imperfect. Yes. Yeah, and it's just – it has a character that you don't see anymore. Yeah, I, it's funny. Um, I've run tournaments up – on the Iron Range, in every one of those buildings, you know, you know the Snake Bit at Hodgkins, uh, uh, Eveleth, um, Virginia, um, Hibbing, both buildings in Hibbing, and you know, I, I, this is I, people from Eveleth probably kill me for saying this. That's probably one. It's got the it's got the most history, the most championships, the most legends. You know, Brimsick and Eichel and Emiasic. You know, it just just keeps. Going on and on and on. I mean, the le the list of uh, U.S. Hockey Hall of Famers from the city of Eveleth might even exceed Roseau and Warroad. It's it's so steep in tradition. But that's the one rink. Did you shoot it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, not yeah. really that spectacular. The entryway is phenomenal. Yeah, like I got I, I got lost at the lobby. I went to the lobby and I walked in the rink. I'm like, this is it? I was expecting like. I was expecting brick. I was expecting, you know, uh, a, a wooden roof. You yeah, know, I was yeah. expecting this just amazing thing. And I was like, eh, it's okay, you know. Where I walked in Virginia, I, what I, what I, my expectations of Virginia, the lobby, we just rip, I ripped on the lobby. The lobby was gross. But then yeah. you walk into the building at, at Virginia and you're like, this is oozing tradition. Yeah, and it, it's just like one of those where you kind of like you go in there for the first time and you're you're just looking at all the unique characteristics of it, right? Yeah. And I think it's like one of those things with Eveleth, where if it was plopped down in more of like kind of like central Minnesota, it'd be one of the more iconic ones from like central Minnesota. Oh, for Minnesota. sure. Yeah. But it's like if, if you're up on the range, you're going against the snake pit, which has, you know, the, the gold judges that look out, go out and look down on the nets. And it's like, where else in the States do you find that, right? Or like the Hibbing Memorial, which 
is like a mini Madison Square Garden. It's, it's, it's un- well, we'll get to that one. Yeah. We could have. I, I want to save some time for that okay. one. That that one's that's. I want to save that one. So yeah. I'm going to read off my list. So so we did the locals and they actually alphabetically worked out well. Aldrich, Bramar, Doug Woog, um, are in there, and then I have Hodgins Barada. We just talked about. Um, my, uh, you have so many great memories. Let's just start there. Greatest memory in Hodgins Barada for you. Um. <laughs> it's a, it was in 97 when we were playing them and we got on a bench clearing brawl you told with them. me about this yeah, yeah. And we had to be police escorted out of the building nice but it was just it was just part of like the rivalry right and the funny thing is you, you train with those guys all summer long but then you get onto the, the ice the minute the puck drops though the minute the puck drives you just it's 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 full throttle. Yeah. yeah. We we would have that with Washburn. I went to Southwest. I went to Washburn. I was like, we went to grade school with these guys. We played against these guys. We played soccer against these guys. Baseball against these guys. We were super good buddies. The minute we played them in high school hockey, it was just like we were five goals better than them. When we, were, we should kill them, right? Right, right. Which is something about once the puck dropped, it was like the it was like the Packers and Vikings. It was For like sure, many weirdest things happen in those games. For sure, and then you know it's like those same with I'm sure with Rapids and Greenway. Rapids Greenway, you go in there, and the place was packed. The energy in that place was absolutely bananas. Yes, you'd be sitting in the you'd be sitting in the locker room, and all of a sudden you could just feel the building shake because they're on the <laughs> ice, took, and the whole the building feeling. goes crazy. I know, and it's a high like, school game. Yeah, and it's like it's it's go time. And my grandpa helped build that arena because, like, mm-hmm. the whole community came together to help, you know, donate time to help build the arena. And even when, even though his grandson was playing for Grand Rapids, he was still cheering for Greenway and all those <laughs> games. Every other game, he was cheering for Grand Rapids. <laughs> but, but that you know, game. But when we were playing Greenway and Greenway, yeah, yeah no, he couldn't. He couldn't break it for his own grandson. I know if my grandson ever played a sport for the Wisconsin Badgers, <laughs> I wouldn't be cheering for his team when they were playing the Gophers. I know. I'm right, sorry. Right, just. Yeah. I would love the Badgers every other time, but not if they're playing the Gophers. No, yeah. thank you. All right, so IRA, that's where you grew up. Yeah. Let's give me your first memory of that place. Oh, it's just, you know, it's I, I, you know, I still have my first puck that I scored from my first goal in Ponies, right? And so just it's just this that that's where I grew up. That was my home away from home. That you know, that's it's the rafters. It's like listening to the band. It's like what section you get to sit in when you're in what grade you are. You know, yep. and eventually just kind of moving around the rink, and you get to sit in the end section because now you're like in ninth grade, right? Yeah. And so it's just you know, it's going up into the lobby when you back at smoke in the day, and it just it, there's just the cloud of smoke because it was pretty much the party from the VFW came over to the lobby and watched the gl- in the glass, and you could cut through all the smoke up there, and it's just isn't just, that weird to talk about the smoke? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of bizarre that it actually think. happened. Yeah, and but like you, so many people have memories of like Thief River Falls just having a, a ring of smoke. Uh, from all the people smoking stogies or in cigarettes. the game during yeah, the game during the game, yeah, it's, it still blows me away. Banana lands. Uh, my uh, memory of uh, IRA was we played there. I think we obviously played there every year, but I can't remember what year. Must have been my junior or senior year. In my senior, year, uh, my girlfriend um, came up in the caravan, yeah. and she had to scalp a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, she had to get to scalp a ticket to get the game. She couldn't just walk up. She had to buy tickets outside from some guy from Grand Rapids to get a ticket. When we played Duluth East, when they won state in '98, we were the only team that beat them that year, and it was at home game in Rapids. And they they like had to have the fire marshal show up and shut yeah. it down. And I've never felt energy in a building like that before. It was absolutely it was standing room only. It was four people deep. It was banana lands. What's the band like mean to you being from Grand Rapids? What's when that band mean to you? 
it's when when the band shows up for the games, there's just a different energy to it, right? Something else. Yeah, it? it it feels like it's a production, and like there there's just something that just the whole the, there's there's just a it's next level viewing. It, uh, it's a it's next level experience because the band actually is like one of the top bands in the state of Minnesota. I'm not arguing with you. And they, they I the, look forward to when people want to see the Grand Rapids the the Halloween machine come to the to the Civic or to the XL. I like that team. I just like their band so much. Yeah. I, I watch videos. I'm kind of a nerd. I watch videos of their band performing at Excel Energy Center to we, pump me up. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I've made friends with whoever runs their Twitter feed. Yeah. I will someday direct the Grand Rapids High School band. Oh, I, because they said the the conductor yeah, wand Gundy. is yours. Yeah, yeah. Gundy. Yeah, yeah, Miles Gunderson's yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of his first name. I'll, I'll think of it. But but so I played. High and school. I will I will direct your high school's band yeah. uh, probably at the XL. That'd be awesome. Barbara Ann is going to be the song yeah, that I'm I doing. I love that song. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. It is so good. And it's just like it, like that's the other thing. It's like when you hear those songs again. I say Barbara Ann, you know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. People. In Indiana, be like, why is he talking about some 50s song, right? A 60s song. Again, it's like, it's when you walk into these arenas again for the first time, it's the sounds. And when you hear the band again, it like puts you in a time machine back into the 90s or whatnot when you're growing up. Good memories, though. Awesome memories. Awesome memories. All right, we're going to skip over. uh, we're going to skip over Hibbing for just a second. There's a lot of memorials right in a row. Memorial Arena in Roseau. Oh, beauty. It's awesome. We talked about that one already. Um, Miners, we've talked about ad nauseum. We talked about Austin. Talk about Rukavina a little bit. This is where my brother's team, my brother's PWA team, they didn't really have B back then in, in the 70s, but they would play in a tournament in Silver Bay, Minnesota. We'd go every year. And they always played, and he's the same age as Neil Broughton. They would always play against the Brotons. That's what they called them. I swear they called them Brotons and not the Brotons. When they awesome. came to high school, like, yeah, the Broughton brothers. I'm like, they always called them Brotons when eight years ago in Pee Wees, but yeah, they yeah, became yeah. the Brotons all of a sudden. Kind of like Roosevelt. And it just, it, yeah, Roosevelt, Roosevelt. Like, yeah. yeah, whatever, tomato, tomato. But it was, it was a fantastic building. You talk about trophies and mm-hmm. history and tradition. Silver Bay had it all. And that's why they're in the book. Yeah. It's one of, you had to pick one of those two books and the, it's just, it, it reminds me a lot. It's got a little bit of Burnsville in it. It's yep. got a little bit of Blake in it. It's got a little bit of everything when you walk into that building, great lighting, great sight lines, great everything. What did you see when you shot it? So, um, it has great signage in that building too. Yes. Right? It, it's, it's like one of those things. It's an underrated aspect of the arenas. Is what the did signage. the sign say? Home of the, what was it? It was, isn't there like home of something? The North Shore. Uh, it's one not the, North Shore anymore, but it is North Shore where they play. But they, their original mascot for Silver Bay. Oh was, yeah, yeah. Was like I'm drawing Skippers a blank on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's in the book, isn't it? I think so. I think uh, it's in your book. But it's um, what 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 you you walk into the arena and it's like you know you you walk in and you see like the windows that are lo- looking over the ice, right? And there's just trophies that go on forever all the way up to the roof. And they kind of get a like a kind of a funky like stadium seating that kind of goes back yeah. a little bit. And it just it has such a great vibe in there. And it's you could tell that how they're running it, they take a ton of pride in wanting to make this feel like um, they take, you know, the history of the arena in the game. Yeah. You, you might not think of Silver Bay when you think of hockey, but to them, it, it means a lot to have that arena in there. And then they have, like, you know, you go in there, and they have the rafters, and they have, like, little flags hanging from the rafters. And there's just, like, the little details in that place 
It's um, spectacular. It's spectacular. And it's just, it's cool because like what we said before, you go into two harbors and then you go into the, into the Silver Bay rink. It's the same exact rink, but it's a different color scheme and it's a different, it's almost like different art direction on the way yes. that they go about the If arena. there's such a thing, right? I think the, the St. Mary's guy who runs St. Mary's Point yeah, yeah, yeah. really believes in the fact of like art directing an arena. Yeah, so, there are very few that believe in that term. Yeah, I well, most people are just trying to make sure you know the ice, you know the you know the ice is filled, or they're just like people are skating and all the other stuff. They don't have time to like. I wanted to have the 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 advertising look a certain way, uh, right? And most people don't think of that. Literally, it's like you go to Bloomington again. This sounds like a rip rink on Bloomington, one of my favorite rinks in the world. But they just kind of slap the advertising on the board. They just yeah. kind of slap everything together, you yeah. know. Where there's really no thought given to the, the aesthetics of it. Right, and then I think like St. Cloud State does a really good job because like even the, the advertising, there's there's a there's there's a, there's art direction again. A rhyme it. and reason. Yeah, there's a there is a rhyme and reason behind it, and it's like if you're gonna put it up there, um, it's it's not just a mismatch of everything. Right. It's like it's it there's. And then it, basically, it's like socks, right? You want yeah. every, your your left sock needs to match the right sock, yes. right? Yes. And you go to some of these yes. rinks, and the socks do not, not match no. at all. All right, you you used a great term, and it was such a great setup for this segment. But you called the Hibbing Memorial Building the Madison Square Garden, and it is. Yeah. It, it, this is where the seven. No offense to Amsoil Arena, which is a fine place. This is where the seven A section final should be played. Every year, I I can I completely agree. Yeah, it was played there, yeah, but forever. it has to be played there. Yeah, and it's like you know the old the old deck was a you know a fun place for like you know big sections double A games and whatnot. But the the Hibbing Memorial like when that place was packed, um, it was it was absolutely nuts. And it, again, it was like one of those things where it's it was a spectacle a spectacle to go yes. in there for like a big high school hockey. Did game. Did you play ever play a big game there? Yeah, that's um, <laughs> I played my last high school game there. Really? Yeah, we you must have lost in we, the section we, we playoffs. Lost, we lost in the sections to the semis or semis finals? to Duluth East. Yeah, we see. Gosh, you that's so cool. I met someone who played in a section playoff game there. Yeah, no, it was great, and like that's remember you you would go and watch the old '90s teams play there. You know all the the teams with Neil the Nielsens and. Marinucci, Mar- Marinucci and all those guys, right? All those Grand Rapids buzzsaws. And Did so, you ever make it there to see Spihar must have played there? Um, I so or They he, must have played there, right? He's usually at the deck. They would play at the deck? Then it got moved to Memorial? Um, yeah, so for, for some reason it got moved to Memorial or, or that's that Just for one year? year? For a game, and I think the section finals were at the deck. Okay. Because like the earlier year when I was a junior, I think we, we played East at the deck in the semis. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. So, um, but it's like it's go before we go back to I want to just this jumped into my head I want to get to it is the, I, the reason why I talk about the memorial being part of the it should be part of the rotation right it's mm-hmm. it's super cool because eight A uh, does it the right way they have a rotation right yeah, yeah it's okay this year it's in East Grand next year it's in Warren and next year it's in Thief River and yeah. guess what Thief River got to play a home game. You know, in a, in a section semifinal, yep. you know, yep. I think that's the right way to do it. And and there's so many cool rinks on the range. It does not have to be played no. in Duluth. There's no. there's only one, two team in Duluth. I know. And it's, and it's like you, you have Andover playing Elk River. At well, the, don't it, get me started on that. But, but, it, but it, the, yeah, <laughs> it, at the deck or at Amsoil. And it's, you, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. Even if you just ping pong back and forth from the Memorial to Amsoil, Back and forth it every would be other great. year. Great, yeah. Um, no one would complain. 
No, it's such no a... No one would complain. It's a phenomenal venue. It, I, I got to think about this for a second. Parking would suck there, wouldn't it? They, they do have giant parking lots. They got a big lot. Yeah, yeah, I suppose they got a big lot, but you would probably have to park on the street in one of those full nights where you have to walk a couple blocks. Well, but it's not wor- it's worse than... I've seen a lot of worse parking situations. Oh, for sure. Yeah, even just going down to the Junior Gold Tournament down in South St. Paul. Oh, it was, brutal. It was, it was already packed, and it was like, you know, 10 a.m., and the parking lot was packed, right? Yeah. Um, but... Going back to like those those iron range rinks, like you got Virginia and Eveleth and Hibby, and they're all like kind of just dropped in the middle of these neighborhoods, and so it's like this giant arena surrounded by all these neighborhood houses, and it's just like, there's nothing like it, and that's just that's where the drone shots come into play, where you can just see how these arenas are nestled into their communities. I'm glad you brought the the the, the neighborhood thing up because there's a rink that I'm, I'm pretty sure it made your book, but it's the Chisholm Rink, you know. Oh yeah 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 yeah. So here's the Chisholm Rink. You've been there. Um, it's not the prettiest. No. It's not. Um, I think they spent more money on the wall that surrounds the entire athletic complex. Now, I got it. You've been there. So, it's it's yeah. it's, it's cool. Chisholm's a, just your classic Iron Range town. It's got bars, and it's got a down, traditional downtown, just like just like Eveleth and Chisholm and all these stuff. So, Chisholm is super cool. And then it's got this, like, athletic complex with baseball field, curling, outdoor ice, indoor ice. And it's got this, like, describe this for me. It's got this stone wall that's about eight to ten feet high and it's it's like blocks long and and around this entire complex yeah it just kind of wraps around all the fields and it's just i don't i'm not really sure what the rhyme and reason i don't either but it's gorgeous it's great the whole thing is gorgeous and i think you're dead on by saying it's the nicest thing in that (laughs) complex Because it's just, it's like that stone has t- stood the test of time. It's unbelievable. I'm like, what was with the thought of this stone wall? I felt like I was in China. I, I mean, know. it's amazing, this wall. And the rink is decent, um, but it's not as nice as the rest of the rinks in, in, in the 20-mile radius. No, and that's where, we, like in, that's where we played our PBA state tournament, right? Oh, God. <laughs> we, we went to Chisholm and um, is. Uh, you know, you could always play the Chisholm boys, and they were always full-grown by sixth grade. And they weren't very good either. Uh, they, that, as they, by In sixth grade, they were PBAs. They were, they were the best, right? Because they were all full-grown. And they, you know, you, you're they had little, beards, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, But, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, it's kind of like it was a lot like the Hibbing uh, Fairgrounds, where it was just kind of like a shoebox type. I love this rink, by the way. This yeah. is the most you, – you didn't shoot that, did you? Yeah, it's in the book. It's yeah, in yeah. the book. <laughs> That is one of my all-time favorites, probably top ten. People are like the Memorial Building, yeah, that's like number one or two, but the the fairgrounds is in the top ten because it's the neatest little shoebox you've ever seen a hockey game in. Yeah, it it, it it's pretty wild. It's just you go from the uh, Hibbing, you know, Memorial, the nicest rink of all time. Yeah, and then you yeah. go to like this tiny little shoebox. It's got obstructed views all over the place. They have to open the doors to the outside in order to warm it up. It is absolutely freezing, freezing cold. Freezing. The in ice there. in there is phenomenal. And then you go over next door to you know the Hibbing Memorial. It's a little eh, bit softer. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the, you got one end that's all full of advertising, local advertising, it's cool advertising yeah, for sure. Very well done. It's all like hand hand painted signage. And there's these cool little balconies you can yeah. sit into and yeah. watch like you have to climb a literally you have to climb on a ladder to get up to the balconies to watch these games and, and they're heated yeah if you want to sit with the team or closer to the team um you can sit in the cold to get into the penalty box to do your job like mm-hmm. to, to work the box you have to climb down a ladder to get in and and slide under it's yeah. some of the most that's a really cool rink yeah, and, the, and you could go off forever on just the, the character of that rink, right? Yeah. Because it's, 
again, it's perfectly imperfect. And it's just got like all the different little quirks to it that like you go there and you kind of take it for granted when you're, when you're growing up and playing in that rink all the time. But when you go back, it's like, this stuff is awesome. Yeah. It's like, you're trying to watch see down at the other end, it, depending on where you're standing, you have a giant metal, like, you know, raft or that's in your way where you have to like duck down and look to see the play at the other end. And, and if don't get me wrong, but isn't, aren't the player benches like 12 feet by 12? I mean, there's the, literally, it feels, it felt like even as peewees, they were like Squeezed in yeah, yeah. to the boxes over there. Yeah, locker rooms are tight. Everything. Uh, everything's tight, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty cool rink. i got to go through here now. Okay, all right. So we've talked about rinks. We've talked about regions. Um, we're almost at an hour right now. Let's uh, speed through a couple things, some of the last details of, of the book. Um, I like this one here. It's the old cutting room floor. What, what didn't make the book? And I don't want to put this into the regrets column, but just name some things that didn't make the book, but that could have made the book or vice versa. Well, I shot like 200 photos over 200 photos per rink. Right. And so right, at, right. The, at the most, there's like 10 per rink yep. in the book. And so there's so many other aspects of the rink that didn't make the book. And so like, part of me is like, was the book the best version to go about this or was it, would, it, would I have been better off with doing a digital e-copy of it? Right. And I just, I really liked actually the fact that you could hold a really nice high end book in your hand and flip through the pages yeah. uh, versus, you know, flipping through on a iPad or something. I feel like you could take a little bit more time if you're actually holding it and having the nice pages. But at the same time, it's like it limits you on what you can actually put in the, the book. The book does. Yeah. Actual piece of paper, you know, yeah. printed on paper. Yeah. And so I shot probably about 20 other rinks that just didn't make the book. And, you know, not all of them were like the coolest rinks. I'd drive to places and you, you're like, okay, maybe it's not that cool. But I shot it anyways. Right. Just, you just had got there and yeah. like, yeah, it's not. And we don't want to mention any of those names. No, yeah, yeah. no hard feelings, right? No. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of like, it's, it's like, what, what end of the rink do you want to showcase? Like, like there's so many different, like little, like little characters, characteristics that, you know, like you wish you could have like shown off for Grand Rapids. Like yeah. you know, the hallways that have all the orange and black and just all the different signage that didn't make it. But, you know, there's... I think he did a great job with the signage. Uh, uh, it's the best. The flying pucks. I mean, I yeah. was just like drooling. That, the, that was probably the better, best part of the book for me is to look through all those different signs, the yeah. numbers and the no smoking, no flying pucks. Yeah. How many no shooting pucks, <laughs> you know? And of course, all <laughs> those signs. It's all no shooting pucks. There's like puck marks on them, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's the best. It's like no shooting pucks against the wall and it's just peppered with puck, puck marks. marks. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I was that kid, so yeah. I'm always like, yeah. yeah. I Ne- I always as once I became a parent, I was always very careful screaming at kids mm-hmm. who were running on a rink or inventing a game being yeah. played in a hallway because that was me and always starting a game up trying to get a game with kids in the rink. But I, I, I was, but there are times when the kid is literally slap taking a slap shot with a tennis ball right into my balls or something <laughs> like that. But now you're you're, yeah. you're 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 now endangering other people with your game. You got to move your game, you know. Yeah, your your future children. Right. 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 I just didn't need any of that hassle. <laughs> your unborn children. All right, uh, let's see here now. So we got the cutting room floor. We did the region. Um talk a little bit about the the what the rink means more than just goals, assists. Um you and I've had a lot of discussions about it's not just the varsity, right? Mm-hmm. 
You know, that that's yeah. what I like to come back to. Like when you and I, we've talked about playing varsity. You and yeah. I both played varsity hockey in a lot of these rinks, and and we've had the band play, and we've had we've been there, right? Uh, but it's more than just the varsity, right? And I don't want to even talk about the boat shows. I want to talk about the junior golds, yeah, the yeah. men who continue to play, the women that are playing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like this, this this rink means way more than just varsity. You want to go on a well, go off my, on a bender on that one because we could go for a while yeah, on that we topic. Could, we really could, and it's like my buddies that are still like playing are yeah. guys that are that are still skating in adult leagues that are the guys that never really played at a high level in Grand Rapids, right? They're, they're still playing. They're still playing because they just love it, right? And it's the book was meant for, like kind of like I feel like Minnesota hockey projects always kind of focus on the high end people or like the big names, right. That come throughout the state, and it, th- those stories have been told over and over again. And I feel like, and they're they're great stories to tell. Yeah. But I I thought there was also a niche there where it's like there's this this book is important to people that played PVBs and that's where they stopped, right? Or they played junior gold and like that's the highest level they got to. But they still like these places mean just as much to them as they do to anybody else. Like the hockey, you go into these places and like these rinks are like incubators for like life lessons. And you go in there, and you get to play your 60 minutes, and there's so much that takes place in those 60 minutes that you get to take away and apply to life. And like that's what, and it's happening at all all the levels. And it's not just the hockey, no. right? So it's not the hockey or the hockey players. Or Here's a classic example. Uh, a girlfriend from high school's dad. I played. Mm-hmm. She was a cheerleader. You know, yeah. the, the, the classic story, right? He would come to the games. Yeah. Well, how cool is that? You yeah. know what I mean. So he has a he has a the game the game hockey's impacted this guy. Yeah. And there's been tons of girlfriends of high school hockey players dads who come to games. Yeah. Right. And then you got the team managers. Right. You got all these different guys that just fall in love with the game by accident. Yeah. They're not necessarily you know we talk about Jeff Nielsen. Not not everybody can be Jeff Nielsen. Right. Right. Or Chris Marinucci or whoever you know. There are so many side stories to what this rink means to us. It's not just the guy who who made the varsity or made the PEA team, right? Yeah, up in Grand Rapids, it's like you were saying, like people would show up just to watch the band at the game. Yes. yes. Well, and think about all the different band parents yeah. whose kids aren't skating on the ice, but their kids play in the band. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And then there's, like, you know, it's just a, you know, a side note to all that. It's like Matthew Christensen, who's a... Uh, his mother, brother was Mike Christensen, the big oh, golfer. He, yeah, that's yeah. Unbe- he's unbelievable athlete. But he played he, hockey too, right? Uh, Mike did, yeah, and he was on the junior gold, or uh, <laughs> the, he was on the maroon and gold team. Did he really? He played with Spihar and Locker, and I was like, it was so cool to watch all those guys together because Mike was so si- silky smooth, right? He was just such a smooth operator on the ice. He had the best oh. vision. But his brother is um, has Down syndrome, and he he's like kind of like the team manager, and he's like he graduated a long time ago, but he still shows up, and he still fist bumps the guys on the ice, and he still kind of gives pep talks before the games, and it's just tradition, and he just he's kind of like this is Mikey Christensen's older brother, younger brother younger Matthew, brother? yeah, and okay. he's just he's just he's just kind of like a fixture at the arena, right? That's and so it's cool. just part of like Grand Rapids hockey, and like before, like he he makes he's the last guy to shut the door before all the guys go on the ice, and he opens it when they come off the ice. That's his job. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's and cool. Like, and before all the guys go around the net, they all fist bump them, and then they go around the net for like you know the pre you know pre period ritual. And it's just he's just a fixture in the rink, and it's like those little things that all kind of come together and make up why these places are so special. All right, so we talked a lot about rinks, right? We talked about you know Hibbing and 
Austin and everything in between, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, before we get to our favorite rink that's not in the top 10, that we'll yeah. do that. We'll finish the show off with that one, right? Yeah. Um, let's talk about skating outside. Um, I grew up on prob, and I'm, I'm biased. This is going to be really biased. I probably grew up on the greatest outdoor sheet of ice that there ever was in Lake of the Isles and Minneapolis. Yep. Because it's like, Literally, when you're on that lake in in Lake of the Isles, you're mm-hmm. it feels like growing up in the city. You feel yeah. like you're in Warroad, or you feel like you're in northern Minnesota because you're you're surrounded by pine trees. Yeah. You're on this beautiful thing, and then literally, if you just look over your shoulder to the right, you look a little bit north, and there's downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. The skyline is right there. Kenwood Park is in the background. I mean, this is just like it's like magic where I grew up. Right? It was right. just and and like I, I think there was a stat once in the in the Minneapolis. Tribune that said there are more skaters at Minneapolis uh, in the city of Minneapolis that go to Lake of the Isles than all of the other parks in the city combined. So if you took all the attendance, you did a click of all the people that showed up, the all there was fifty percent of the traffic was at Lake of the Isles. The other fifty percent were on the other forty nine rinks in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's where I grew up, and there was just so many good life lessons. We talk about life lessons that are learned playing hockey. I learned probably more life lessons playing outdoors Lake of the Isles. Yeah. You know, how to stay warm and how to get into the big game on the indoor and in the inside rink. Yep. You know, chopping snow block blah, uh, snowballs into into little mini rinks and, and you know, how to get along with people and how not to get along with people. <laughs> and yep. A lot of different lessons were grown there. What about you? You talked a little bit about your rink growing up too. Yeah, so like in Grand Rapids, all the elementary schools would have like uh, outdoor ice right and so you know you you go home after school you go get something to eat and then your parents would go drop you out you'd talk to all your buddies and like are we gonna go to murphy are we gonna go to um, southwest are we gonna go to force like where are we playing pickup hockey tonight right right and it was always kind of like it was always kind of like a rotating kind of thing what's the warming house like in grand rapids it's just a little shed was it just was it a shed like in the ground or was it a trailer um it was it was kind of like it almost felt like kind of like a fishing house but was it portable? Were they brought it in and dropped no, it, it there it, for the like, winter, or did it, it sit there, it all, sat summer there all, all summer long? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just and curious. So, yeah. Because there's both. You see them, right? Yeah, for sure. And um, and so you you know you go out there and you you'd start off probably skating at five, and your parents come pick you up when the lights got turned off, right? So like that was just kind of like where you got dropped off, and it wasn't like the whole community would show up. So you'd be like uh you know a fifth grader or a sixth grader, and you'd be playing pickup hockey with all the varsity guys or guys that were coming back that were playing college hockey. And coming back for Christmas time. And it was always, you'd either have like 10 to like 40 guys playing pickup hockey. And it was always packed. It was, I call it the December 19th to January 3rd, the best 14 days of the year yeah. down at Lake of the Isles. Because now all the college guys are coming back. Yeah. And, you know, there's kids there that, you know, maybe went to private schools you didn't see very often in our neighborhood. Or It just seemed like it was like this meeting point down at Lake of the Isles where you just got great. The games were so much better and, yep. and the atmosphere was so much better. It just seemed like there was everyone just, just pumped up. Like I could not wait to get there mm-hmm. at 10 in the morning when the, when the rink opened during Christmas break. Yeah, and, I'd bring a sandwich and yep. be starving by three o'clock because I've eaten all my food because you burned so many calories in the f- four hours, you know. And then your parents would come and check on you when it was really cold. Uh, and it no, was, my ne- I was the youngest. My parents, well, <laughs> if I wasn't home by ten, they would start coming to check on me. Yeah, there, well, we had one parent <laughs> that would come and rub Vaseline on all of our faces <laughs> just to make sure you know we didn't get windburn or whatever the reason was. And we we're like, oh, this is necessary, but if if it meant that we could stay there longer, we'd do it. I had a lot of friends that were the oldest, right? Yeah. So their parents would come and bring them lunches and, you know, they're just totally pampered where I was the youngest was like, 
you know, they didn't, my parents didn't care unless right. I just got, oh, it's 10 o'clock. Where's Tony? You know, that was <laughs> the youngest and yeah, oldest. Was, yeah. It was like, you, I would just watch my friends, how they would get doted on by their parents. It was yeah. completely different. My parents didn't make it to my college fraternity until I was the president <laughs> my junior year of spring of my junior year yeah. I said well I have to give a speech in front of like 82 other sets of parents yeah I think you should be there yeah okay we'll come down for that yeah, 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 yeah. my parents mind you lived in uptown and I was in dicky town this is a <laughs> seven minute drive <laughs> their first time yeah. ever yeah. I have no regrets my yeah. parents were awesome but yeah. it was just crazy that yeah. the differences between parents yeah for sure for sure all right uh let's put a wrap on this first pizza pod um let's go a little bit off the charts here and and, and dig into our brains I, I i brought one up today and i thought oh, this would be a fun way to end the show let's talk about it you know we talked about the top 10 right mm-hmm. Talk about the top 10 ranks. We got Aldrich and Braemar and Memorial and all these great buildings. Um, talk about one that doesn't get a lot of play. I got mine. I'm, uh, you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Go first. I'll go first. So this is going to be a weird one. People are like, Rochester? What the hell are you talking about, Tony? So many great ranks out there. Um, I like the rec center at Rochester. I broadcasted a game there a couple years ago. I walk into the building, and there's a, a mural or a, a jersey of Sean Podine, who's a dear friend of mine, and Doug Smolik, another friend of mine. I knew they were legends, but it's like the only two jerseys in the rink are these two guys. And then you walk in, and it just feels like an auditorium in there. It feels like a, a little bit like the Memorial Building a little bit, where you walk in, you're like, oh, it's cool. And it's got this big, you know, auditorium side. It's got this mezzanine on the other side where the parents can sit behind, right behind the benches. It just kind of oozed tradition. It, it's not the most beautiful place in the world, but it just kind of felt like, man, Rochester had it going on in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, they have a state title there with the, with the Rockets in 77 or 78. And it, I don't know. It just seemed like a really, I felt like this was one of those hidden gems that people don't know about. And you interview these kids from Lakeville South and Lakeville North, like I've done over the years uh, on our 15 questions in 60 seconds. And you always ask them, what's what besides your barn? What's your favorite barn? And they always say, Oh, the rec center in Rochester. And there's a reason why, because it's super cool. They cool. bring their whole towns down there to, to play against the other Lakeville t- team. Yeah. And it's cool. They're playing in Rochester. And they see a part of the, the country, part of the state that they probably don't normally see. And it's fantastic. So they're, I'm going with Rochester Rec Center. Yeah. In, in general, southern Minnesota has a ton of underrated rinks. Yeah. Um, you know, you have Rochester, you have Austin, you have Albert Lee. Albert Lee was cool. I've been there. That yeah. used to be a gym. Yeah. Did we yeah. talk about that? It was that? a community college, and yeah. they converted it into a hockey rink. And um, in, I'm going to stay in southern Minnesota. I am? And, like, the one that I kind of had no idea even existed, I didn't even know the town existed, uh, was Wyndham. Uh, the Wyndham the Wyndham rink. Whoever would thought Wyndham would just get a boatload of love on this show, because I'm going to... Finish it off with okay, that. Go cool, to cool, go cool. to the Wyndham rink. I'm gonna yeah. go to the Wyndham jersey here. So okay? my buddy Dan Shipper, he uh, he told me he's like Jazzy. You gotta go check out the Wyndham rink. They got dirt floors. Is that your nickname, Jazzy? Yeah, that's, my that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Bob Janander from Greenway gave it to me. Okay, uh, that's yeah. Kenny's dad. Yeah, Kenny's okay, dad. Right. Yeah, gave it to me in hockey camp, and it, you know, real original nickname because he gave it to my uncle who was his arena. It was his manager, but anyway, right? Yeah, he gave me Jazzy. But uh, he, Shipper told me that I had to go check out Wyndham. He's like, they, they got dirt floors. And so it's like in a big 4-H barn, right? Yep. And it's, like it's got your original sheet of ice, and it's got really cool views, um, really cool stands. Um, 
and but then they have this blue tarp that's kind of divides it from like the back end of their rink. And if you go on the other side of the blue tarp, there's another rink that's right next to it, and it's almost shaped like a cigar. It's a really thin, kind of like a three and three kind of rink, but it's like probably like a f- you can't walk between the two of them. Um, and they're just really? right next to each other, and it's just it's a very so the boards butt up to each other, pretty much. Yeah, okay, pretty much. And yeah, and they it used the the stands were there. Um, just for like kind of cattle shows mm-hmm. and eventually over time they built the rink up over and around it and they kind of filled in the walls and so it's just kind of like they built a rink around the stands and it's just it's a really cool rink I, I love this, the the depth of the how far back the stands go too and they take a lot of pride in their their rink they're really happy that they have it there and they're trying to build their program and it's just um it's just one of those cool things where you don't think of like Wyndham as like a powerhouse for hockey but they they take a lot of, they take a ton of pride in their program. Where is Wyndham? It's like a southwestern Minnesota. Well, I know that, but where like is it near like oh, it's uh, Worthington? Is it that far down? Yeah, it's not is that it closer far. to Fairmont or it's Laverne. Not that, it's not that yeah, it's it's not that far from Laverne. Um in Laverne they used to have the yeah, Laverne, just that general area and it's down in there, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you know, look at this. Yeah. I know you, we're not on video here, but just imagine. Now, what is that jersey? Is that when I shot these guys, I was like just blown away. I was in Lesur when I shot the Wyndham jersey, and if there was a rink, if there was a jersey in my top ten that I couldn't put in, because if I put Wyndham in the top ten, people would be like, "What the hell are you yeah, talking about?" Yeah, you know, yeah. I can't do it. No one, no one really know it. But this is Thief River Falls colors, yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. got the bright yellow, the bright blue. It's got a really unique looking W on it, and mm-hmm. a really cool eagle. Yeah. That's a Gemini jersey, so you know it's going to be a high quality design. But it's the the stripes match. Yeah. Everything matches. They got the the blue helmets, the blue gloves. The entire palette was absolutely perfect. And everybody I show this to, like, yeah, that's amazing that they do that. And the reason I put, I, I should say, this, and this is going to be a total dig on Worthington, but like, look at this is uh, Worthington's not bad. It was, there was another one. Um, I can't remember. Redwood. I'll get to it. Give me one second here. This is the typical southern Minnesota. I I shot a lot of southern Minnesota in the Jersey Project. Yeah. Wait till I get to Redwood here. Where are you, Redwood? It's this. They have, yeah. Redwood Valley. I drove two hours to shoot Redwood Valley, and they didn't have stripes on their sock. Do you follow what I'm saying here? Yeah. yeah. Like, compare that to Wyndham. Mm-hmm. And that's why Wyndham is just so awesome because it's a perfect uniform. And Redwood, there was a lot of them. Like La Crescent had a beautiful top, but no stripes on their socks. And, uh, you know, and just like with your jersey project and the arena project, it's like there's art direction that goes into the jersey and then also in the, the outfit yes. and then how it actually like fits within the arena too. And it just how it all kind of goes together. All goes together. Yeah, and like it, it, it just didn't go together with a few of those. But then I got window and I was down on the sewer when I shot that. And I was yeah. like, this was one of my favorites. I mean, That's I cool. shot, like you talk about pictures. Normally in a night I could shoot. 10 to 20 to just get the one jersey that I was looking for. Yeah. I probably shot 75 Wyndham shots that oh, night because cool. they were just so cool. And yeah. I got some really cool shots of those guys. And it was a fun project to put together. I'm sure yours was too. And very, yeah. very rewarding. Um, how can somebody find your book and how can somebody buy it? They, uh, you can go into homeice.mn and just, you can order it from there. And then we're starting to get into like a lot more shops around the twin cities. Yeah. Did you get into the Minnesotan? Um, we got yeah, it's in the Minnesota and it's in the Minneapolis Institute of Art. It's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So we actually in the website, if um, we have a place where you can actually, if you want to go and buy it in the 
at a location. We have a bunch of listings. That's cool. It's pretty much in every shop in Grand Rapids. They're about to run us out with pitch. You know, yeah, they're, they're a little sick of us pushing the book as hard as we are up in Grand Rapids. But that community is so great. They they've done a great job supporting us. But yeah, I, I think I'm going to have my books sold in the Minnesota as well. Yeah. Just give them a few books to kind of just have it there from a cool factor because it is pretty cool. If you're the Minnesotan and you don't have a and you're of a hockey shop, and you don't have this book or your book or even the the tournament book. Yeah, turning time. You, you know they. He just wanted the book. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you a few copies. If you sell them, great. If you don't, yeah. you don't. We only have about 60 left of mine. So Yeah, that's it's – How a, many do you have left? Thousands? Uh, Are you in the thousands still? Well, we just got the second ship, shipment yeah? in. So, like, we went through the first thousand in about six weeks. And really? So, yeah, and then uh, – got 2,000 more, and so they're all sitting in my apartment, and so I'm, yeah, I've lost about 800 <laughs> square feet in my apartment, so, yeah. Well, help this guy out, rid his, get him some square footage back into his apartment. <laughs> his name is Matt Jasper. I'm Tony Scott. Thanks for tuning in to our first ever Pizza Pod here on YHH, brought to you by Brew Pub Pizza and lots of matzah. Have a good day. <laughs>